Tonight's scripture reading is from 2 Chronicles chapter 34. Josiah was eight years old when he became king, and he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem. He did what was pleasing to the Lord, following the ways of his father David without deviating to the right or to the left. In the eighth year of his reign, while he was still young, he began to seek the God of his father David. And in the twelfth year, he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem of the shrines, the sacred posts, the idols, and the molten images. In the eighteenth year of his reign, after purging the land and the house, he commissioned Shaphan, son of Azaliah, Masiah, the governor of the city, and Joah, son of Joahaz, the recorder, to repair the house of the Lord his God. They came to the high priest Hilkiah and delivered him the silver brought to the house of God, which the Levites, the guards of the threshold, had collected from Manasseh and Ephraim and from all the remnant of Israel and from all Judah and Benjamin and the inhabitants of Jerusalem. As they took out the silver that had been brought to the house of the Lord, the priest Hilkiah found a scroll of the Lord's teaching given by Moses. Hilkiah spoke up and said to the scribe Shaphan, I have found a scroll of the teaching in the house of the Lord. And Hilkiah gave the scroll to Shaphan. Shaphan brought the scroll to the king and also reported to the king, All that was entrusted to your servants is being done. They have melted down the silver that was found in the house of the Lord and delivered it to those who were in charge, to the overseers. The scribe Shaphan also told the king, The priest Hilkiah has given me a scroll. And Shaphan read from it to the king. When the king heard the words of the teaching, he tore his clothes. The king gave orders to Hilkiah and to Ahikam son of Shaphan and Abdon son of Micah and the scribe Shaphan and Isaiah the king's minister saying, go, inquire of the Lord on my behalf and on behalf of those who remain in Israel and Judah concerning the words of the scroll that has been found. For great indeed must be the wrath of the Lord that has been poured down upon us because our fathers did not obey the word of the Lord and do all that is written in this scroll. Hilkiah and those whom the king had ordered went to the prophetess Huldah, wife of Shalom, son of Tokhath, son of Hazra, keeper of the wardrobe, who was living in Jerusalem in the Mishnah, and spoke to her accordingly. She responded to them, Thus said the Lord God of Israel, Say to the man who sent you to me, Thus said the Lord, I am going to bring disaster upon this place and its inhabitants, all the curses that are written in the scroll that was read to the king of Judah because they forsook me and made offerings to other gods in order to vex me with all the works of their hands. My wrath shall be poured out against this place and not be quenched. The word of the Lord. Constantine Tischendorf, a charismatic young German scholar, fell in love in his early 20s with the biblical text. It wasn't the crazy stories, it wasn't the confounding commands, or the poetry, it was the text. The, the alphas, the omegas, the moos, the news, the letters, the commas of the Bible. He wanted to know what was the original text. The Greek New Testament he had was printed recently and based on Erasmus's imperfect and opaque scholarship, and he knew there were hundreds of older copies than the one he had, with different passages than the one that he had, 
he needed to find the oldest, best copies of the Bible and share them with the world. He started with a journey to Paris where he deciphered an ancient uh, palimpsest. What is a palimpsest? Well, before city pages, writing material was extremely valuable. If you needed to write something important, you might not have the time or the cattle to create parchment to write on. So you might just scrape off an old piece of parchment and write on that. You'd see faded traces of the previous writing, but you could write your own more important message. Tischendorf deciphered the palimpsest of Ephraimi. It took nearly two hours per page, painstaking work looking at those faded letters, but he was able to decipher the whole book, and he published the results. Intoxicated with the success and the subtle ancient variations in the text that he found, he said goodbye to his fiancée and headed off to the Mideast in search of more manuscripts. He traveled about, not finding anything, until he made it to a monastery in the Sinai Peninsula, St. Catherine's Monastery, one of the oldest working monasteries. The monks welcomed the dashing young scholar in. When they went to start a fire for him, he noticed something peculiar about their kindling. There, from a bin, they were using scraps of parchment to start a fire. Tischendorf walked closer and asked if he could see. He immediately recognized the writing as uh, one of the, a translation of the Old Testament, the Septuagint. In fact, he was holding in his hand at that time what is still one of the oldest known copies of the Septuagint. Now, I imagine he tried to maintain his composure and asked if he didn't mind if he took the rest of their kindling and tried to figure out a polite way to ask if they would stop burning manuscripts. But he obviously didn't do quite a stellar job because they, they stopped talking to him. They wanted to know why they wanted that old copy of the Bible with errors when they had a much newer, more beautiful copy. So Tischendorf left in search of more authority. At the time, the Russian Empire was seen as the protectorate of the Orthodox Church. Tischendorf got a letter from Tsar Alexander II himself to look at the monastery's collection. He went back, and he wasn't having much luck until a monk saw him reading the Septuagint. He said he'd been reading that recently too, and he brought in a box and showed it to Tischendorf. This is what would become known as the Codex Sinaiticus, the oldest and in many places best version of the Bible in Greek, including the entire New Testament. Now there are exciting moments in archeology span when Howard Carter found, the king, found King Tutankhamun's tomb, when Heinrich Schliemann found the death mask of Agamemnon. But I don't think anything can compare to the feeling that Tischendorf felt just then Reading, reading all night, he wrote in his diary, it really seemed a crime to sleep. He felt like he needed to rescue that book. And an effort to get the manuscript out of Sinai involved many deceptions. In fact, the monastery to this day has a letter posted from Tischendorf where he promises to return the book. 
Russia influenced the Orthodox ecclesiastical elections to make sure the Codex would be donated to the Russian Empire. And eventually, British Sunday schools raised $10 million in today's money to give to Stalin to buy the manuscript for the British Empire in the 1930s. So uh, I studied ancient languages, and I love that story. It's got romance. It's got this interesting person. And um, I'm not sure if it has anything to do with the lost book in the text for today, but um, we'll go on to that. So Israel was a complete kingdom really for only three kings, Saul, David, and Solomon. It then broke down into two kingdoms, Israel and Judah. And according to the predominant biblical narrative, all of the kings and queens of Israel were bad, and most of the kings and queens of Judah. Perhaps the worst of the Judean kings was Manasseh, who turned the temple into a shrine for many other local deities. He was also the longest-serving monarch in Judea. Upon Manasseh's death, his 22-year-old son Amon takes over and within two years is assassinated, and Amon's eight-year-old son Josiah is put on the throne. It seems surprising that Josiah survived at all, but the book of Kings eventually describes him as, like unto him, there was no king before him that turned to the Lord with all of his heart and all of his soul and all of his might according to the law of Moses. By the time Josiah was 16, he was interested in the Hebrew God. By 20, he, stopped worshiping, he, stopped, he was stopping the worshiping of other deities. And at 26, he decides to repair the temple. When they are cleaning up and rebuilding the temple, they find some parchment in a corner, probably waiting to become kindling. It turns out to be the book of the law. Deuteronomy tradition tells us. The scribe reads the book to Josiah, and Josiah loses it. Deuteronomy is written as a covenant, a contract. God says, if you follow my guidance, I'll bless you. If you don't, I'll destroy you. Josiah knows that as a nation they have failed, and he asks the high priest to ask God what to do. The high priest, not quite sure himself, decides to ask a prophet. The sages say he was worried about what Jeremiah would say, so he asks Huldah, the prophetess, hoping for a little bit gentler answer. He finds her in the Mishnah, or what the Targums refer to as the study hall. And I think of the scene, and I imagine it must have been like, like if John Kerry decided to come to Debbie's study and asked her what God wanted the U.S. To, what God wanted the U.S. to do to preserve its power. <laughs> Hulda says, "Do you think God is interested in preserving your empire? It's all going down. Nothing you say or do can save you. God." God cares about compassion, not continuing your patriarchal order of rule. Tell your man, Obama, I mean Josiah, that he's not that bad. He's done some okay things, but God? God is not on the side of your empire. No matter how righteous or unrighteous your leader, God is not on your country's side. You think you found the lost book? Well, the book found the lost you. Judah will crumble 
no matter what you do? A nice, gentle answer. Another, another leader might look for a different God. There were hundreds of them at the time. A God promising success, military victory, riches, even a long life. But instead, Josiah decides to celebrate Passover. And for the first time in a long time, the celebration loses its prayer breakfast-like political overtones. It is not the ritual the king needs to oversee to maintain his kingdom. It becomes the story of the people. The chronicler says that not since the days of Samuel had there been a Passover like it. Not in the days of David or Solomon, but the days of Samuel, when there was no king before the kingdom. Let's be found.